Your story is waiting for you today. Your story has something new to say. But your story will only come out to play when you're alone. Alone. Alone in a room with invisible people. The following episode may contain swearing. Alone in a Room with Invisible People is brought to you by hollyswritingclasses.com. If you find value in what we do and you'd like to support the podcast, go to coffee.com, that's K-O hyphen F-I.com forward slash alone, or you can go to alonewithinvisiblepeople.com forward slash support us to find out more. Thank you. Hi, I'm Rebecca Gallardo, the host of Alone in a Room with Invisible People. I'm here today with author and teacher Holly Lyle, and today's topic is how to build plot arcs. And this was actually in response to a question that we had in the forums. Before we get into that, um, I wanted to just take a real quick moment to thank everybody for submitting to the Halloween episode. Um, I stopped counting once I reached 120. <laughs> but even on the last day on the 10th up till up until I think the last entry came at 11:47 p.m. um we had probably 20 or 30 more on that day. So we had a whole lot of a whole lot of story entries and I did read um the only ones that didn't get read were if you didn't follow the submission guidelines or if there was a word issue, if you were over 500 words, and we had a quite a number of people that were submitting that were, you know, 530, 520, or, you know, 1,300 words. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> so if you, if you submitted something that was not um, within the guidelines, you, you got in pretty much, it, it wasn't read. But every other single one of those stories was read. And um, I posted something on my Facebook about this earlier. Um, I hate writing the rejections. Um, I never wanted to be an editor. I only ever wanted to be a writer. So as a writer, I know that no writer really wants to receive a rejection. Um, you know, I, I know a couple of... of them look at rejections as a point of pride and like, okay, well, you got to get through the rejections to get the exceptions or to get the accept, um, acceptances. acceptances. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I'm still waking up. The, it's Monday. <laughs> yeah. It, the, the idea is that, you know, you, you got to do a lot, write a lot of bad to get to the good. And I just still, it doesn't make it any easier for me to reject stories. So if you have received a rejection or if you received a note telling you, listen, you know, this is why the, the story didn't go in. Um, just know that we want every single story to go through. We don't, we don't want to sit there and say, um, we don't like shitting on people's work. That's not what we're about. That might be what other people are about. And if you Google rejection letters, oh, doggy, do you see <laughs> a whole bunch of editors find a lot of joy in rejecting people. <clears throat> um, but yeah. But yeah, I just, I just want to throw something in here too, is I had more than a hundred rejections in a great big man's shoe box. Um, 
And before I got to yes, before I got to the yes for the very first time for the very first thing. So uh, rejections are your path to acceptance and they can be a bit of a point of pride once you get past them. So just look at it that way. Yeah, I mean, like like I uh, mentioned, you got to get through all of the rejections to get the acceptance. To yeah, get that. and it can be a long way to get there, but yeah. we'll do our best to make it as short for you as, as we can. Well, plus, I mean, here's the thing, and I was telling Mark, he was like, well, did you be nice? I mean, are you sure that the rejections were really, you know, like, are you sure they were, they were really... Did you really have to reject, you know, the stories you did? And he's looking at it from a writer perspective. He's not looking at it, but he's also looking at it. And he even said, like, well, this is from just a fear of rejection. Um, and I made a point to say, like, if they, if, if somebody is going to get rejected from us um, with as nice and detailed, like, some of them were form rejections because they just didn't fit or well or significantly over length yeah significantly over length or significantly like we had a few younger people I think who submitted that have not written stories before um I actually wrote a little bit extra to them it was like keep trying I hope to see you submit next year um but the idea is like for for most play for most of the people that got rejections they got the reasons why, which I know we say on the submissions, you know, we don't, we, we're not going to be able to tell you why. And that's true for some points. If, if, if somebody is going to take our rejection and be upset with us, um, considering that we follow the rules of critiques where we say what's good about the story, we mention what's, what could be fixed or could be better about the story. We are encouraging and, we want, we literally want to see the story succeed. If people are going to take a rejection from us and be hurt or upset or give up on writing, then they would never have, they, they didn't want it enough because they didn't deal with the kind of rejections that you got, which was just form rejections or, um, you know, a little bit insulting with that too much exposition this is just... That was one of the better... Ex well, because it explained what went wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because that was explaining. Some of them were just mean. Yeah, see? <laughs> some of them were just mean. And we we are not like that. So if if you get a rejection from us, and it's more than just a form letter, um, or if you get an email from us explaining where it went wrong, understand that we are one of the people that you have at your back. We are We are one of the people that... Um, or, you know, some of the people that want to see you succeed. So the rejection letters from us are going to be far nicer and far more helpful. Yeah, we want you to be able to do this. We want you to get to make your dream come true. And and we are, what, what you hear from us is going to be what we can offer to help you. Yeah. Yeah, so if, uh, again... Um, I was overwhelmed by the amount of, um, emotionally, um, by the amount of submissions we had. I panicked there on the, the, about the 15th or 16th because we had very, very few submissions. I mentioned it to mom, but what I forgot is that people tend to turn stuff in on the deadline, the day before the deadline, closer to it. And we had 
I think it was 80 or 90 submissions by just the first, just <laughs> people realizing like, oh crap, the first is the deadline. I got to get this in or people taking every minute they could to, to get the extra time in. Um, and then we had the extra 50 or 40, uh, yeah, something like that. I've, I've lost count. The numbers don't make sense anymore to me. But yeah, we, we have a lot of stories this time. So I just really, um, I want to say a quick thank you to everybody who submitted. I also want to say that you're very, very brave for submitting your work if, if it's been a long time since you've written or if you've never submitted your work before. If you got a rejection from us, please realize it's the story or it's how the story was written or it's it's that it just didn't quite fit it's not a rejection of you and yeah. we want to see you submit again it's especially if you got a letter explaining why it didn't work if you got a letter from from me i mean especially with how many entries we had and how little time i had to go through them if if you got a letter explaining why it didn't work, um, please realize that we want you to succeed. We took the time to, to go through your work and try to help you, you know, get it into the, to the podcast, you know? Yeah, because we would love to be able to accept every single thing we get. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it would be fantastic. But yeah, just remember, it's a rejection of the story, of that one individual piece of the story that didn't work or the just, you know, it, it's it's not ever a rejection of you personally, at least not when it comes to Holly and myself. So let's get into what we have been doing since. Um, I, I Some of our listeners won't even know that we took a four or five week break. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. That's how it good was, I am. <laughs> that's it is how good you are. And hang on just a second. I think I actually have the date here. Um, maybe not. But I, things got crazy for me about the middle of September. Mm -hmm. And so I think that was around the last time that we had an episode that was not one that we did. Yeah. Head. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, I think September 10th or where it was it was probably it, I think it was like the first or second week oh yeah yeah because that that fits with my my because I'm looking at my bullet journal here and everything from September 11th on was moving stuff yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah so that we've not recorded an episode in um at least a month Maybe yeah. maybe five or five weeks. I'm not I'm not entirely sure. So yeah, let's let's get into just real quick what we've been doing, where we are now, and get into the show. Yeah. Well, um, uh, first off, I need to say my dream came true. Uh, this is something that I have been waiting for and 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 just dreaming about and wishing for and not even saying anything about for years. We wanted to get out of South Florida. And I had figured, well... Um, Hold on. That's not the part she hasn't been talking about. That's the part she no. has mentioned every <laughs> single time you talk to her. Yes. But the part that I hadn't mentioned was that yeah, my dream place to be would have been Ohio. 
But I never said anything about it because Matt had this kind of firm rule that he didn't want to live any place he'd never lived before. So we were looking at North Carolina or at Georgia. And one day he just said to me, well, you know, what would you think about moving back to Ohio? He's never, he had never been there. Never, not once, including when we bought the house and including prior to the day we packed up our crap and drove there. He had never been to Ohio, but he said, hey, you know, I want you to live someplace you love. And I, you know, you have talked about this place with, with lunatic fervor for not his words, my words, his, his meaning, um, a lot. And he said, and I have been listening. And how would you like to move to Ohio? And I said, fuck yes. <laughs> and, um, and about, it took us about nine months. Uh, and, and, uh, you know, folks helped out with, with, uh, First the um, Patreon thing, and then with the podcast, uh, with the coffee account, and with uh, buying my classes, and with buying my books, and a lot of other things. And we were able to buy a nice little old house. It's a little, still a little run down, but we're working on it. Um, but it is a house in Ohio. And he got here, and, and he loves the place. He's amazed. He had never been here, and he said, oh. Oh, this is why you love it. <laughs> it's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it hadn't changed. I hadn't been here in 46 years. And uh, I came back and it's still home. So that's that's what I've been doing for the last five weeks is getting ready to be here and then being here and moving our stuff and putting all of our stuff into a pods container and having them bring it up and us wondering when we left if the pods container was going to be picked up and if any of our stuff was going to make it here and it made it here and it was in perfect shape. Big, big non, non-paid for, non-advertising shout out to pods.com because damn, they were, they were awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I got there on time, and then you guys, um, how long, okay, so it took you 17 hours to to pack it, and yes, then it took you it took, three hours to unpack it. Yes, yes, because we were, we were frothing at the mouth, mad, lunatic, crazy people unpacking. We were just, we had this little worker bee line of Matt, Joe, and me set up, and we were just, good God, it was hilarious, but... We got everything in. We got it down into the basement. Ooh, basement. And and there will be no more hurricanes. <laughs> yeah. I'm so happy. Yeah. And you've dealt oh. with blizzards before. And Matt's from New York, and he's dealt with blizzards yeah. before. So you guys are good. Joe is the only one that's going to be a little shell-shocked. But <laughs> but he's never seen snow, and he's so excited. Yeah. Yeah, that's he's, pretty he's, cool. Yeah, he's going to be 22 in another week, and he has never seen snow. There's and a lot another. of human beings on this planet that have never seen snow. So it's not it's yeah. not that big of a deal, but at the same time, it is that he gets to live there and, and see the snow and Yeah. 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 And he's cool. he's actually he's excited. Yeah. <laughs> to me what's weirder is he's lived almost his entire life if what the seventeen almost seventeen years out of his twenty two and he's never stepped foot in the ocean and he's lived seventeen years in South Florida. So, yeah. but apparently that's more common than, than you realize too. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So you have not done any writing or any, any revision or anything like that. No, the, the only thing I did today for the first time I woke up, 
I realized I knew what the cover for Dead Man's Party had to be. And while I was waiting for us to get started, I started building the cover for Dead Man's Party. Oh, that's cool because that's such a weird freaking book that that the cover couldn't have been an easy. Oh my God, no, thought. no! Yeah. I know the tagline and everything. Oh so, neat. Okay. Yeah. Um, my five weeks. I'll just quickly go over because I don't really want to talk about it. It was supposed to. I was really looking forward to it. Um, gonna be full of revision and um, research. And I wanted to also um, get some stories, some flash fiction stories done for for Halloween. Um, but yeah, I had a really bad OBGYN appointment and my whole world came crashing down in my brain. And it's been probably five weeks of uh, depression, isolation, uh, trying to bring myself back into... Um, focus and it's just been a really rough unproductive as far as work um month and a week and I don't want to I I talk about it because um specifically there's a lot of us that are going through these kind of things and I am working on a, a series of podcast episodes that are interviews with other writers. Uh, I've already talked to several of them about doing the interviews um, because it's an important topic is is how to get through this stuff and create. So that's going to be something that 2020, I can't believe it's 2020 next year, but that is going to believe some, that is going to be something that 2020 brings is some interviews with um, authors who are struggling with certain things, but still create and that that it, it was just a really really rough five weeks it was completely unproductive as far as that goes my as far as work goes my mental health was um suffering very very significantly um I'm still on the medication and I'm still trying um so <laughs> there's that, but uh, I'm actually writing this because this is a worksheet episode. Writing for the worksheet was tough at first because, you know, once you've, you've stopped doing something for a little while, it takes a while to get back into the momentum of things. Yeah, but you it's kind of rusty. Yeah, it started to spark a little bit of interest and uh, imagination and creativity and stuff like that. So I was very happy. So, um, yeah, we, we, we mentioned and we talk about mental health and, and issues on this podcast because it is something that writers struggle with and people can use them as excuses to not write. But there's a difference between suffering through something where you're unable to create and then letting yourself down by letting that be an excuse. And I'm kind of towing the line right now in the fact that I was able to um, create a little bit with this worksheet that's in here, um, made me realize that, and I had a a little bit of a breakthrough, um, last week or something like that, that made me realize, okay, maybe it's time that I can start moving past this and getting back to the revision and stuff. Cause you can't really ever get over certain things, but you can learn how to grow with them as a part of your your daily life so um today's 
podcast, and I mentioned this at the beginning, um, was actually is actually inspired by one of the questions that we had in the forums. And um, again, the title of today's podcast is How to Build Plot Arcs. And the question, I'm going to go ahead and read, and this is just um, part of the question or part of his his entry in our forums. Uh, and this was in response to our How to Build Scenes episode, which I'll link in the show notes. If you haven't listened to that one, that one's um, the one he was referring to. So a lot of the discussion seems to focus on what is the minimum you need to include in a scene, go over PACTS, which is P-A-C-T-S, etc. Um, and just to go over real quick, not part of his question, but PACTS is protagonist, antagonist, conflict, twist setting um going over packs etc which is great i love the packs and what changes questions it's the best scene level writing guidance i've ever read heard but it seems to me that although no particular scene needs more than those basics when you are writing a book there are other larger than scene level conflicts that you have to cover somewhere and these inevitably have to end up in scenes I think sometimes this is where writers, including myself, go astray. Maybe including too much of this stuff in a scene that is about something else. Yep. And um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read something real quickly here from the uh, intro of the worksheet. Because, yes, there is a worksheet for this episode. And if you have not yet downloaded it, you're going to need to go to the website and download it so that you can play along with us. Um, but... First, yep, many writers succumb to the red-faced howling of Infodump's first cousin plot exposition and screw up their books because of him. The good news is you don't have to be one of them. The trick in not killing any scene's momentum is to realize that every larger-than-scene conflict still has to be written in scenes, and then to realize that the answer to the question is in the word scenes, plural. The fix to building good plot arcs instead of awful exposition is truly simple. And really fun. Print out your worksheets, then write through the episode with us. Onward. Okay, and with that said, let's go ahead now and look at the problem. The problem is that writers dump out the entire story problem in one big, boring info dump. Because when you're writing along, you suddenly realize that the reader needs to understand what the characters are facing. So you tell them what the characters are facing, and that is a massive mistake. You never want to tell the readers this is the problem because that kills all the, the, the suspense, the, the potentials for confusion, um, the, well, I'm, for good confusion, which is where the reader is going, oh, my God. What's going on? I don't understand. I need to keep turning the pages to find out. If you tell them what the problem is, they don't need to do that. Yeah. Um, so the fix is to break up the story problem into pieces and assign the pieces to different characters using show, don't tell. So that's what we're going to be working on today. Um, and step one is to get out uh, of your system, the write the infodump. And because getting this process out of your system and and making it um, making it sort of a bone deep understanding of this is how you do this, 
it's much easier to, it is much easier to show you how to do it than it is to tell you which is why I built the which is why I built the worksheet so uh, what wasn't clear is that the info dump is the first page so that's define your big con conflict in as much detail as you can on one page now right. for me I didn't need as much detail as as like somebody else that um or maybe even if, if it was one of my Fulton Hill stories because uh, the Fulton Hill story that I did uh, or the one that ended up being Fulton Hills was the was the full page um, mm -hmm. that I, I had four story attempts so why don't we read our our things do we okay. do we want to before read we do that you guys need to pause and write your stuff. yes yes pause and, and write then... your own stuff first and then okay. we'll share what we got Okay, and now we're back. Okay, so go ahead. Yours is short minus long, so go ahead and read yours first. Okay, now just remember, guys, I uh, this is my fourth attempt to try to get something that I did not want to use in Fulton Hills. <laughs> I was also exhausted because I had had no sleep. Um, someone is killing clowns. Evil smiley face. Ha. Worldwide eradication of clowns. Doesn't matter what kind. Creepy, children's, theme park, hospital, etc. Even clown pictures and clown dolls, um, likenesses, etc. are disappearing because fuck clowns. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, mine, uh, I was trying to go way away from anything that I am writing as well. So uh, I ended up doing an alien invasion against planet earth um so and i wanted like i said this is this is me world building at the same time so this for me runs kind of long okay it's all squeezed onto the page and you can download both of our examples um i'm going to send an alien invasion against planet earth and i want the aliens to be cute fuzzy seemingly sweet and adorable then people are going to find out these things they've taken in as pets are a lot smarter than they are, that they've planned to subdue all humanity, eliminate the humans who won't make obedient slaves, and turn the planet into a high-end vacation spot for their folks. The surviving uncaged humans will either be personality-altered and neutered slaves or naturally obedient humans can, who can be bred to create a less contentious species. The troublemakers, the willful, the too intelligent, and the insufficiently obedient will be used for lethal entertainment. The, then the aliens, who are as a species deeply addicted to all things gambling and to the observation of violent sports, not to participation sports, no, not to participation in such sports, mind you, um, then they... I, apparently I dropped a thought here, but I come back in with, so the big conflict is that humanity, having pulled a bunch of adorable little monsters into its collective bosom, is going to have to figure out a way, a way to deal with the villains from a position of captivity or else find itself dumbed down, enslaved, and eventually completely wiped out, at which point its captors will take off for another interesting planet looking for new and better thrills and bigger odds to bet on. You know what this is making me think of, right? No, what? Cats. Cats? Oh, God. No, no. Uh, this was actually, um, God, I was thinking about a book called Little Fuzzy, and it just got really, really warped. Um, this was from a writer whose name has just suddenly dropped out of my mind. And I thought, well, what would be the evil version of that? Or the Fuzzy Papers and Little Fuzzy. 
and oh god and i i know this name i know it as well as i know my own name but it has just dropped out right it's now. fine yeah we'll put it in the show notes okay cool all right so um, what is are you done with the uh, part one well, no, let me just say, this is an example of an info dump. This is, this is the thing that people say, well, this is going to be um, my prologue, is yes. this thing right here, okay? This is my prologue where I explain what my characters are up against. And if you do this as a prologue, your book will suck. Or, or the, the other version of the prologue is the history, mm -hmm. including the history of everything and everyone and... Yeah, so this is this is to eliminate that. This is to take this massive info dump that I've built and that little info dump that you built and break them up into cool-ass pieces and put them into a, a form that you can use all through your story to keep your, your reader going, oh my God, what's going on? I have to know what's going on. Turn the page, turn the page, turn the page. Yeah. Okay, so now... We can go to the second question on the worksheet. Now identify each active character in your story with the bare minimum of your protagonist and antagonist and with any friends, enemies, and if needed, born to dies and potentially interesting so the room isn't empties. You may need more than one sheet. Okay, so let me really quickly explain what both a born to die and so the room isn't empty is for folks who haven't listened to previous episodes and might not know. Born to Dies are characters you build specifically so you can kill them off. Um, and they tend to be lightweight. They tend to be um, fairly insignificant. There's somebody who's standing in the wrong place at the wrong time and they get smote. Um, <laughs> and, and So the Room Isn't Empties are, Becky had the best example of one I think I've ever heard, so you can do your So the Room Isn't Empty. It, no, just it's it's the, the guy that, um, it, there was a guy in a diner, and it prints trucking, he, just the whole bunch of info information about him, it was just, it made him a, a late entry main character on Holly's point scale, if you have taken the How to Revise Your Novel course, um, she has a point scale to show how important you have made this character, whether intentionally or unintentionally. And he was uh -huh. 15 plus points, and that is main character level. And it was literally, <laughs> his entire role in the book was just so the diner wasn't empty. So the diner had a customer. And I mean, he had full name and like it, people in the forums were like, I want to know his story. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's the problem. <laughs> that's the problem. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But these are, these are people that, so, okay. So now I guess we can pause and now we're back. Okay. And you get to read yours again. Okay. Um, and again, I was just kind of rushing through this in a hurry, but uh, I like the people I came up with. Name, Jess, designs and make ear makes earrings all day, entrepreneur. Um, role, main character, her father is a rodeo clown, goes missing. She's in her early 20s and finds the conspiracy. Name, Phil, weed cook and grower, legal. Role. <laughs> Jess's friend, always high, but always trying to help. No romance. He's in his 50s. Her neighbor loves gardening. Name, Stuart Brennan. Role, cult leader, anti-clown activist, and instigator. 
name rock candy porn star <laughs> famous oh god role um btd cult member born to die oh born to die <laughs> I'm such a crackhead. Born to that, yeah, because that's <laughs> what we didn't mention is in the instructions. Uh, there are um, the shortened versions of them, and that's BTD and and S T R I E. Um, a BTD cult member, very popular recruiter for cult. Name Jordan White, boyfriend manager at a bookstore, comic store, escape room. It's a mix. Um, role BTD, but tragic. Sweet loves Jess helps her solve part of the mystery. Then R.I.P. Whoop. Okay. <laughs> and already, I kind of want to read this. <laughs> yeah, I do too. I want to write it. Oh God. Yeah, I'm having the same problem with mine. Is that um, I? I was so uninvested in this concept initially that I gave my people names from just working my way down the alphabet first name a last name b first name c last name d um and just created characters off the top of my head with from this universe and what i got was antron b's first survivor of the great treachery escapes being neutered reveals the truth about the aliens and their brutal plans okay uh my that's name and role the name of my second carrier character is candy daily she is human, prime alien pet, and betrayer of humanity, and her role is she fervently believes that Earth would be a better place without humans, so she's working to help her captors wipe out her own kind. Um, okay, so the next character, first name, is Ears, in quotes, Fluffy Bottom. He is the evil alien overlord. Ears, Fluffy Bottom. And his role is he's bet that he can triple his already enormous fortune before humanity is entirely wiped out. Okay. Uh, next character. This is also an alien. The name is Giggles Huggly. And Giggles Huggly is the alien with doubts about the legitimacy of his species' great mandate to exterminate all intelligent aliens. He brings the truth to humankind. Uh, next character is uh, Ilsa Jane. She's five years old, and she loves animals and brings home every stray she finds. So she is the one who brings home the first little alien. <laughs> Next name is Karen Larson, and Karen, her role is she's a biologist who sees danger in this newly discovered species and, when proven right, fights to find a way to beat them. And let me see if I went two pages on this thing. No, I did not. Okay, yay me. <laughs> so those those are my characters. Those are their roles. And uh, look through, make yours make yours as compelling as you can. Even if you're just doing this as practice. Yeah. Even if you're not intending to actually write the story, because as you can see, with what I came up with and what Becky came up with. As you start building these characters and their roles, even if you have no investment in the world whatsoever, you start discovering reasons why you might care. Because what happens to little Ilsa Jane and, and, and her scary alien pet that wants to enslave and destroy her and, <laughs> and that she loves dearly because he's adorable and fuzzy? Yeah. Um, yeah. 
Now, what happens to these people? Okay, so now the next question is, or the next step is now break down your big conflict. That's the thing you wrote at the very beginning into what I am calling showable pieces. And this is what we are going to demonstrate in this podcast. You may need more than just the first sheet. You may need to print off multiple sheets for this in order to get your showable pieces of conflict all the way to the end. I did not write out a whole book because this thing turned into a novel on me very, very quickly. Uh, I did not write out all my showable pieces of the main conflict. Yeah, neither did so, I. Yeah, because um, we're doing this as a demo and we don't want to take all day. Yeah. So the four steps in creating a showable piece are to define a single action, bring in an active character, make your change or identify your change, and then show the consequence of that change. Okay. And now it's Becky's going to go through with her stuff. Okay. So um, now break your big conflict into showable pieces as we are about to demonstrate. Um, You may need to print out more than one sheet, like Holly said, and now would be the time to pause if you don't need examples and now is you know if you if you do need examples or if you've done your writing now we're going to get into it mine I made it very simple my single action and I, I did this in kind of like an example way so my first page is going to be main character focused so mm-hmm. that's the first page is just the main character um the way that her her stuff would break down, and then the second page is breaking the, down the conflict from the um, bad guys' perspective. Oh, that's cool because that gives that's going to give these guys two different ways to do these. Yeah, that's it gives cool. well, it gives them an example too to show that um, there's even different parts within a big conflict. There's you know different points of view. So mm-hmm. my my um, main character page is single action. Jess's dad is missing. Active character is Jess. Change, dad missing. Consequence, Jess stumbles onto conspiracy. Nice. Um, the second part is, or the second action is, Jess brings Phil into in in by accident. Now, Phil is the, the neighbor that likes to cook and, and sell edibles and stuff like that. <laughs> um, active character is Jess. Change, Phil. High starts talking to customers. Uh, consequence, they're put on a list. Oh, yeah. So that's, um, now obviously there was stuff in between. If I was actually writing this out as a book, I would have, you know, just as dad is missing. And then I would have all of her next steps and, and stuff like that. But I wanted mm-hmm. to point out two bigger areas on here is kind of like two bigger conflicts that, that to show where this is leading. Nice. Um, so for page two, this is the villains. This is the conflict broken down for the villain. Um, single action. Stuart murders a single clown. Gets away with it. Active character Stuart. Change. Feelings people realizes people don't care. Can use others' hatred, dislike, dismissal of clowns as a way to get away with murder. Uh, apparently I didn't write consequence. Uh, yeah, I guess it kind of fit <laughs> with the change cause that's okay. also the consequence in there. Um, oh yeah. Realizes people don't care can use others. So, so realizes people don't care is the change. The consequences can use others, hatred, et cetera, et cetera. Yep. Um, yep. 
single action, Stuart begins finding violent coulophobes. I can't pronounce coulophobes. Coulophobia. <laughs> I can't say it right. Okay. Coulophobia is the fear of clown. So okay. like it's just that's that's what I have because I can feel it in my heart and like I start sweating and I get really freaked out. Um, so he finds violent people who are afraid of clowns since I can't pronounce the word correctly and taking action. So he active character is Stuart change is building a vigilante group. Um, the consequence again, I left blank for some reason. Um, again, I was exhausted and slightly delirious, <laughs> which is why this idea even came up. Um, but so on the bottom, I wanted to specifically note the growth pattern that this dude is taking it. So from that group, it goes to a KKK-like state, which okay. is really bad. Mm -hmm. um, and then from that KKK state, he moves into a, a Scientology state. Oh, boy. Yeah. So he goes from small group to vigilante group, well, single murder to small group to vigilante group to this this hate group. And then from a hate group, it's a religion. Mm-hmm. So that, that, wow. that is the big conflict broken down from the villain's perspective. Nice. All right. Um, so my turn. Uh, I did mine differently. Uh, I just started walking through the story uh, from scene to scene and I, I, so I am alternating between characters and this demonstrates that you can use these worksheets in a lot of different ways. Um, so I am starting with the first scene in the book. Single action, a human finds a cute fuzzy injured creature and rescues it. That active character is Ilsa Jane. The change, she takes the injured creature home and convinces her mother to keep it and help her save it. And the consequence of this is that the aliens have their first foothold from which they can identify human weaknesses and learn more about the people they plan to destroy. Okay, we move to scene two. Single action. And this is going to be, okay, I will let this. Uh, a cute, fuzzy creature mind traps and executes a man who is suspicious of its nature. The active character here is a born to die, a BTD, name later. Um, the change, the man is wary of the creature he doesn't recognize, and when he proves intent to have it examined, is murdered by it. The consequence, we see the secret, deadly side of the adorable alien overlords. All right, next page. I know I'm not the only one thinking cats right now. Oh, no. There are no. other listeners out there that are thinking cats, and I'm okay with that. I, would I wouldn't destroy humanity but I would be okay with being submissive to, to all catdom. <laughs> I think that they would be a better government than our world's governments right now. Oh. <laughs> uh, if they were bigger, they would eat us. I disagree. I love my cat. Remember, remember, you said it depends on the relationship. So you can't pull Matt's quote out anymore. You said it depends <laughs> on the relationship. True. And if you are meek and docile and you give good pets and you give good rubs and you give good treats, they won't eat us. I was seeing something sort of gizmo-esque. Yeah, I um, like gizmo. Yeah. 
Yeah, so I thought, oh, okay, evil, horrible, monster, murderous yeah. gizmo. Yeah, and it doesn't turn into a gremlin. It just is is a mogwai. It just is, yeah. Yeah, it's just the mogwai. It's just the sweet little gizmo. Only, you know, not, obviously, because that's copyright. Yeah, it's, that's, it's the so. other guys. It's it's all of the other versions of gizmo that pop out of his back. If you haven't seen Gremlins, um, what the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so anyway, uh, next single action is evil alien walks into a bookie joint and makes a big bet on a losing team. Um, the active character here is Giggles Huggly. Change warns the family fostering him that his people are bent on enslaving and destroying them. Consequence, they think he's adorable and being funny, but uh, he's not. And uh, there are some there are typos and some missing words and things on my demo worksheet. I apologize for that. That's why we do the cast. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, my next scene, the single action character. Wow, this is weird. Okay, I did this in the wrong order. The single action is when the team uh, giggles bet against. Oh, boy. Okay. I, I fell a little apart on my worksheet here. I apologize. Um, the character in the previous scene needs to be giggles huggly, but the issue needs to be that he warns the family. Yeah, not the team. That he, yeah, because I was right. very confused. I was like, the team? He bet on a team, but then he yeah, warns his giggles family. Giggles huggly <laughs> did not bet on a team. Uh, his single action was to fall in love with his family. Okay, then the single action for the next scene is evil alien walks into a bookie joint and makes a big bet on a losing team. So there's some there are some errors in the worksheet. Eh, we're human. Yeah, we are. Um, okay, so the active character for this is Ears Fuzzy Bottom. And adorable Ears Fuzzy Bottom. Uh, when the team he bet against starts winning, Ears calls down a sp- strike from space on the entire area and a major city is wiped out <laughs> because he lost because well he was losing <laughs> he didn't lose because the game was not completed yeah so he he got his money back on the technicality um but yeah consequence humankind discovers the nature of the enemy that has insinuated itself into countless critical parts of humanity's infrastructure so I'm I'm hitting high notes here. There are going to be a yeah. lot of other things going on in the book at the same time. Um, if yeah, I ever the same with the mine point. exactly. We're just we're trying to yeah. highlight the major points because if you're actually doing this, um, you're going to have a whole lot of pages. Especially if yes. this is a novel, you're going to have just a, a bunch of stuff just for the big conflict. Yeah. So for I recommend if you don't regularly write novels that you start this as a short story. And plan only doing plan only doing six to ten scenes, uh, you know, a genuine short story, because then it will be much much easier to follow through and not get just absolutely buried by a project that explodes as mine did and I think as yours did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Because I'm okay. I'm like trying to figure out how to how to create a screenplay out of this or something, and it's like no, stop stop <laughs> yeah i know because this is in my head now yeah and yeah and it's in there with with e- evil ears fuzzy bottom and and adorable giggles huggly and the the cute little elsa jane and and just oh 
stuff, man. Now, with the worksheet, okay, so um, just to let you guys know, I fell asleep last night, so I do not have the rest of my worksheet, and I apologize. Uh, but Holly has the rest of hers. Yeah, I do. Um, although you, when you go to the next page on mine, you will see on the second page of the big conflict that my single action was, and so on. Yeah. Dot, dot, <laughs> dot. Yeah. So then we move to the finally answer the following questions and uh i will read the question and then, and then i pause. will say pause yeah and then i will read my answer and yeah becky gets a little break on this part yeah yeah because i i fell yeah. asleep <laughs> yeah because because exhaustion will in fact do that to you yeah okay so here we go is there any showable piece of your big conflict that would be more exciting or more interesting if given to a different character and if so who and why and my answer here is oh so pause and now we're back my answer is ears furry bottom uh, not using his human given name of course could be shown on the spaceship calling down a globe-smashing weapon strike on the world he and his people have finally used up. It would make a compelling opener to the book. This is not Earth. This would be showing ears fuzzy bottom blowing up another planet. Ah, uh, yeah, uh, that's cool. Yeah, some, some other planet. Um, and though we would not yet know who the guy calling down the strike was or what he was, we would have a cl we would have clear stakes about what kind of problem our own planet might end up facing. So if you start this thing with some dude in a spaceship blowing up an entire planet, then your stakes are set. Yeah. And it's much more compelling than a little girl finding a fuzzy animal. You can do that as your second scene. Yeah, so this is interesting. Um, you saying all that stuff made me think of what mine could be. Okay, cool. Um, it could just be a scene where uh, there's a group of people, just like a mob, and this is the very first scene of the book. Uh, a mob is just going towards Ronald McDonald's uh, McDonald's food chain the golden arches but of course i would have to make it so that either it's not mcdonald's or that right. it's just hinted very strongly at it and they they bust in after hours they're all masked and the only thing that they're trying to get rid of in the store is anything clown related anything at all just so it, anything with a, a ronald mcdonald logo yes or, yeah, something like that. Yeah, and okay. there isn't that much of that anymore, but back in the mm -hmm. uh, late 80s, early 90s, um, when I was growing up, fucking stupid-ass clown, his, he was everywhere. Or maybe they, they, they are spray-painting over the Ronald McDonald house. Maybe they're just spray-painting over his face. Or it's, it's something where this group of violent, scary-looking masked intruders is going towards something and the reader thinks that they're going to start a murder or they're going to they're going to you know start rioting or something and then the very last part of the scene maybe a paragraph or two it's just them destroying only clown shit you know that's awesome and the tie the title of the book i wanted to be everybody hates clowns <laughs> that's not a bad title yeah i like that yeah because yeah. Every, I mean, everybody doesn't, but a lot of people, you know, that mm -hmm. just don't like clowns. 
Um, well, it it would certainly attract everybody who really does. Yeah. <laughs> and then and yeah. then they could see how how their hatred of the clowns would be used against innocent people in this mm -hmm. in this see like I really like the the depth of this story. I I think maybe I want to write it as at least a, a story. Stop it. Stop it, brain. Okay. <laughs> Go to the second question. Okay, the second question. Is there any showable piece of your big conflict that could be kept secret and brought forward as a surprise twist later? If so, what and how? Go ahead and pause. Think this through. And now we're back. The true identity of Ears Furrybottom could remain hidden until he... Until he Wow, my, my, I, I got a little incoherent here. Obviously, I was very tired by the time I got to this. Um, he is well disguised as his human foster family's very own lassie. Oh, okay, could remain hidden because he is well disguised as his human foster family's very own lassie, alerting them to dangers, which in parentheses he causes, and being the brave little hero who always arrives at the last moment with the cavalry. So when you first see Ears Furrybottom, he looks sweet and adorable, and he has rescued Timmy from the well <laughs> one more time. <laughs> but you don't see that he threw Timmy into the well in the first place. <laughs> but wouldn't Timmy know? Uh, well, probably hide it. Yeah. Yeah. It, it would be some, it would, Timmy would go into the well lured by cookies or candy or, or something there that, that was in no way associated by Timmy with ears furry bottom. Yeah. Okay. Um, it's funny cause before you said that, I was thinking that, uh, when, once you mentioned when you were reading the question, I was thinking I could hide uh Stuart's identity, but then that was what you did too. So I, I want to come up with something different. And as far as the piece of the big conflict goes, um, that's, that's harder for, for, for me, what, what I could keep a secret. Um, but I think maybe I'll have that, uh, the, the group is a lot bigger and more organized. And I think what could be kept a secret, ooh, sorry, what could be kept a secret is that it's all over the world, that it's happening in Australia, that it's happening in China, that it's happening in New Zealand. You know, like he's somehow sent out tendrils. He's sent out little captains um, to other parts of the world. And when maybe at the end, when they destroy him and his his area that's when they find out that they've only hit the tip of the iceberg that this thing is huge and it's widespread and it's everywhere that's excellent i had one other idea mm -hmm. that i'll throw at you yeah um maybe save until the end why your main character hates clowns so much oh yeah well th that's the thing though is originally he just, it, it was just a dude that was pissing him off and he murdered him and got away with it. But he noticed like the papers were mocking him. Like the, the theme was actually really, really what intrigued me is there's okay. this idea of the lesser dead, which is why serial killers go after prostitutes and stuff. So it's yeah. kind of like an allegory. It's kind of like using the clowns to show this bigger side of humanity. 
Gotcha. You know, okay. that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, he just he ends up using the clowns as a way to to get away with all these evil things because everybody hates clowns. <laughs> yeah. There you go. All right. Uh, next question. And that is, is there any showable piece of your big conflict that feels weak or uninteresting? If so, what would make it a more compelling scene? Hmm. Or what would make it a compelling scene element? Add pause. And now we're back. Okay. The BTD, Born to Die, character is weak. If I make him someone important, the reader comes to love and possibly give him a bright future and a romantic connection to a character my readers will love, and then I kill him off, <laughs> I'll get a much more compelling response from the scene. And yes, real novelists really do look at ways to be meaner to their characters. Yeah, and that's one of the things that I'm, I'm learning with um, how to revise your novel is that I really do need to be meaner and pour on the conflict because I... Mm -hmm. I have a problem with not being mean enough. Um, for me, I think that I, I, it was funny. I thought of um, her boyfriend being kind of boring, kind of being mm -hmm. an obvious in there, um, making him feel more interesting. We give him coolerophobia. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. Giving him the backstory of the fear of clowns. Yeah. Giving him like... And he's always he he's always hated that her dad was a rodeo clown anyway, and oh god yeah and also the dad is kind of weak he's just there's just this rodeo clown so maybe make him a drunk too and that he's disappeared before on her and that mixture makes the boyfriend not so helpful um, and he sticks with this theme until he discovers something and he dies and then she finds him but in his death he has instead of finally convincing her you know that that it was nothing which he had just about done um his death gives her the key to the next the next level of her knowledge nice i mean very not nice yeah yeah very nice. very cruel but yeah yeah that's excellent okay um final question on the worksheet is there any showable piece of your big conflict that feels cramped if so, how can you break it into smaller pieces spread through more scenes? Uh, okay, and pause. And now we're back. Just to let you guys know, there's a typo in there that was not meant to be a typo. Um, Mom actually meant that, not thought. <laughs> like T-H-O-T, oh. which I think actually means something. Oh, God. In, in slang. But yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, big conflict. That feels cramped. Yes. <laughs> yeah, well, like, yeah. I, I have been doing these things uh, while unpacking. Yeah, and, she put um, this all just... together and spent hours and hours and hours doing all of this stuff. So the fact that yeah. there's only one typo is just fantastic. And plus, there, there might be more. Yeah, and this stuff is <laughs> this stuff is free for you guys. It's a, it's a download without, you don't even need to sign up for emails or any of that crap. It's just free download on our website. So... If there's a typo, shuddy. <laughs> it's not a big deal. Yes. Yeah, seriously. This has been this has been one of the most exhausting months of my life. And I am still fried. But I am I I am very upbeat and very happy. So yeah. I am happy to be fried. It's worth it. So what is your showable um, piece of your big 
conflict that feels cramped. Okay. Giggles Hugley needs several scenes in which to establish rapport with his family while showing the reader that he is not what he appears to be, a non-sapient, adorable little alien from a newly discovered Terran species. He has a crucial role and should not be just a main character, but become, as the book progresses, a crucial viewpoint character. So... What I would have to do to make this work would be to give him a bunch of little things that he does from a third-person perspective so that the viewer can see what he's doing, but we don't see it from his eyes, where he is doing very smart little things to help the family that he is with without um, tipping anybody off to what he is. He, you know, He might initially start looking like a smarter version of a really smart cat, and then um, an even smarter thing than that, and then an even smarter thing than that, while we are watching the evil aliens doing shit up in their spaceship. Yeah. Um, without ever seeing the aliens, we see the spaceships, we see bad shit happening, and then we realize that the aliens are already here. Yeah, that's really cool. I like the idea yeah. that you you know that the planet is under attack, but you don't realize you're probably sitting there thinking that um, these cute little things that, are slowly turning like you're realizing that they're getting smarter and smarter might be the salvage might be the salvation for for earth and then you realize holy fuck wait no they're the ones that are causing the problem uh, yeah they are the twist. bad guys yeah not all of them no because you know giggles giggles ugly he's a good guy but um ears fuzzy bottom yeah definitely yeah evil I, overlord i like that name better um than giggles hugglesley i that that one is i don't know it's too cutesy but ears fuzzy bottom is like just it seems perfect and also the fact that he's a bad guy it's kind of like louise from bob's burgers if you guys have ever seen that she's the youngest child she's adorable she has pink bunny ears and she's evil yeah there you go yeah yes um yes well my my actual reason for the the giggles hugly name mm -hmm. is that ilsa named him and she's five years old <laughs> good god <laughs> You think she'd pick at five years old something easier to say than Giggles Huggles hug, hug, Lee? Well, maybe she just names him Mr. Giggles. Yeah, Mr. Giggles. That's cute. Uh, for me, the showable piece of the big conflict that fills cramp, there's two of them. Um, her discovery of the conspiracy is a little fast. So that's why I was thinking add the father backstory of being a drunk and, you know, give give her time to slowly find the conspiracy going on and then also the uh Stuart's growth from a single murder to a religion it's kind of fast Scientology took what 50 year 50 years um to really institute itself to the point where it's worldwide so mm -hmm. this would have to be um in, in it it would also have to be um ooh haha <laughs> i found a way to to make it work uh, cool. social media show how quickly things oh. can grow and can be over overtaking you know humanity and people and and see how quickly the fire burns with social media so mm -hmm. that's pretty cool okay yeah this this was a lot of fun like you said on the on the the worksheet and the, that we mentioned in the podcast it's a lot of fun if you don't have an idea um and you don't have something in your brain uh, or you're blocked 
like um, you're running through some sort of uh, creative block right now or you're frustrated or whatever, just fart around with the worksheet. It's free. It's You don't have to print it off if you don't have ink. Uh, I usually don't do worksheets. Um, I will just work in a notebook. I'll n put number one. So you one. use the PDF. Read the PDF. Yep. And then just write stuff into a notebook. Yeah, 99.9% .9 of the time, <clears throat> that's what I do. If there is, uh, if I am printing out worksheets, there is a reason for it. Like, for instance, uh, the language clinic, mm -hmm. the very first um, one is... Uh, reductionary alphabetization. Yeah, well, no, I, I mean all of, all almost every oh. single page I use, but the very oh, okay. first very first one is the official worksheet and then after that if I can get away with using regular paper like line paper I will mm -hmm. use line paper but but because the alphabet for me not the alphabet <laughs> because the language clinic for me is kind of outside of my comfort zone I like having that first page there I've also done the same thing with how to revise your novel um because the the breakdown that you have they're so nice your your worksheets look so pretty and nice that I like having <laughs> the first one on there so I know and then after that I will use a ruler and kind of try to make the rest of them look similar yeah um, but yeah I, and I think most of that is just it comes from how expensive freaking printer ink is yeah <laughs> so yeah. so yeah absolutely and pen ink is cheap Oh yeah, pen so. ink is is super cheap, especially if you just go to the dollar store. <laughs> yes, just get like a pack of ten or twenty for a dollar or two. Um, but this is really, really a lot of fun. And and as I mentioned in the what I have been doing for the last five weeks, I have been going through a lot of emotional uh, no funness. So doing this worksheet, even exhausted, even when I fell asleep with the stuff in my hand and my head against the couch and I just started to fall asleep working, um, I had a lot of fun with it. And I kept giggling to myself and I'm sure Tony thought I was crazy, but of course he knew I was crazy when he married me. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. So even if you don't think you need it, give it a shot because <laughs> it, it was worth it. It was a lot of fun. Cool. Cool. Well, I do. Do you have anything else you want to say before we go to the takeaway then? Yeah. Yeah. I just want to say, folks, um, thank you guys for listening. Obviously, you know, you are a, a huge part of our lives. If you would like to follow us on social media, uh, I have not been active for the last five weeks, so I apologize, but I'm going to start getting back to it, especially with the Halloween episode coming up. Um, yeah. we've got, yeah, we've got a lot of, of really, <laughs> really just fun stuff for you guys. So follow us on Instagram. It is alone with invisible people.com. Uh, you can follow Holly at holly.lisle. It's just her personal stuff. It's not a whole lot, but it's fun to, to keep in touch with her. You can follow. And mine has been pretty empty again because, you know, we've been moving. Yes. But I started getting some stuff up because I'm back to, I found my yarn. Yes. I found my needles <laughs> and I'm doing some knitting and so there are knitting and cat pictures again. Also, uh, yeah, well, I'll get to that in just a second. Uh, there, you can follow me. It's R-G-A-L-A-R-D-O R-Gallardo. You can follow us on Facebook. It is Alone in a Room with Invisible People. We are on Twitter. Again, not very active. It's um, Airwhip at A-I-A-R-W-I-P. You can follow us on our website, alonewithinvisiblepeople.com. Uh, we've got an email list now. If you really, really want to make sure that you don't miss an episode, 
follow that, you know, just sign up for the email and you'll get emailed about the episodes. We don't send anything about Holly's sales or anything like that. We don't send anything about um, affiliate links or, or literally anything. The only thing is anything podcast related. So if we're going to miss something, you'll get an email notification and you get emails with the episodes that come out and on the day that they come out. You can join the community at hollyswritingclasses.com. It is a free community. It is absolutely free. You create an account, you go into the forums, you find people to, to talk, to enjoy, to, to vent to, to help you with your writing. It's an amazing thing. You get a free flat, how to write flash fiction that doesn't suck course. You also get a whole bunch of free stuff from summerfictionwriting.com uh, or summerfictionwriting. Okay, so the final thing I wanted to say, and this is a little bit late, but uh, we were off. I wanted to give Holly a podcast happy birthday shout out. Her Yay! birthday is... 59! Yes, her birthday is early October. And it just, I don't think we did this last year. I think we might have no. mentioned your birthday, I'm not sure. But just a, a belated happy birthday, um, you know, on, on the podcast. And if anybody wants to say happy birthday to Holly, uh, join the site or go into the forums where you're already part of the site and just be like, hi, happy birthday on this episode title. So, <laughs> Thank you. <yeah. laughs> That's cool. Um, all right. So let's get to the takeaway for this episode. Okay. As we have demonstrated, plot planning doesn't have to be boring. It doesn't have to ruin your joy in writing the thing that you want to write, and it doesn't have to require massive work. Asking a handful of good questions and building lightweight answers gives you all the space you need to have fun and stay fresh while writing and also to move between characters to break up the specific plot into a bunch of small pieces instead of doing an info dump. And it's fun and it's easy and you can do this. Yeah, it is a lot of fun. It, it was and uh, I'm thrilled that my brain attacked clowns and I said because fuck clowns and then the book ends up you know like no killing all the clowns would be a bad thing which yeah is not what I believe <laughs> no I don't think clowns should should die I think clowns should just not exist period well yes just just take off the makeup yeah but stop being a clown yeah. delete them yeah all. I'm I'm not actually clown phobic but I do find people wearing masks and and full cover makeup that hides who they really are very very scary yeah i find that very creepy and it's and it's uh fascinating at the same time um mm -hmm. but yeah so this is a lot of fun um i'm going to end this before we get any longer so i'm just gonna say thank you guys again for listening give holly a, a happy birthday shout out and i can't wait i'm so glad to be back you have no idea i can't wait for Me the too. next episode and we want to see what you guys have done. So if you need to scan or take a picture with your phone or something like that, you can um, go on to the forums or share on social media. Share it on social media and hashtag it A-I-A-R-W-I-P so that we can click on the hashtag and, and find your your plot arc breakdown. So my my final word on that is just write with joy have a blast doing this have just just cut loose and take chances and be a little crazy and have fun